Welcome, welcome, welcome. Peace to the episode 22 of the Fire This Time podcast. We back. My name is Sunny Teray. And I'm Akita G. And we are so happy to have you here once again, chilling with us, kicking back. Giving you 2021, baby. You back in here for the year. You know That's what what's saying? up right there. You know what I'm saying? Went through a last year. You know, wild year. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But you know, yeah, it's been a tough one. You know, COVID and all that other G shit going on. But, um, you know, we still here. Going to give you some more episodes. You know, made New Year's resolutions and things. And I hope you made yours too. You know, I uh, also like to say healthy belated Kwans of the folks. You know, hope you got a chance to enjoy that and experience that this year. But, um, yeah, you know, before we get into it, please remember to like and share and all of those things. Facebook, yep. comments, after the shows, and all that other good shit. Yeah, definitely tap in with us. And I didn't even tell you I keep for Kwanzaa. I took a trip to D.C., bro. No, you didn't tell me that shit. Yeah, bro. I, me, me and Kamala, we got together, you know, like we do every year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you you upheld the family tradition. Yeah, huh? man. Okay, yeah. man. Me, me okay. and Kamala got together, you know. We That's just This is what we do. That's what's up, you know. So, <laughs> it's all in the family right there, you know. So uh yeah, like like I keep it saying, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up uh, you know, twenty twenty a little bit, put a bow on it as far as some of the topics we talked about focused on uh for this year, trying to re- uh revisit some of those things. Mm-hmm. Can't touch on everything, but we're gonna run through some stuff. Yeah. And uh we also gonna talk about uh the passing of MF Doom. Yes. Uh, you know, our, our brother gone too soon. And my dude. Uh so we're gonna touch on that. And, uh, you know, also get into, uh, of course, the recent, uh, I don't even know what we're going to, what we're going to term it. I, I don't know what to call it. I, I don't even know what to call it. I, let's just say, the white boys ran up on the White House, kicked in the doors. Y'all seen it on the news. Yeah, they was at the Capitol building wild. Yeah. Was the Capitol building at the White House? Yeah, it was the Capitol building. Okay, Capitol, yeah, Capitol yeah. building. They kicked in the doors at the Capitol building. I guess they felt the need. I'm, yeah, <laughs> a lot to it. We got a lot in that. Yeah. It's a lot in that. It's know? a lot to it. So we're gonna talk about that. So, um, but Aki, why don't we start? You know, what I'm saying just, uh, you know, with our brother. You know, fire. Uh, this week's fire, and really, you know, uh, the the fire for all 2021 is just gonna be, uh, you know, honoring our brother in the memory, MF Doom. You know, oh, what yes. I'm saying? MF Doom, man. So why don't you? Uh, I mean, why don't you start it off, Aki? As far as like you know, when was you introduced to his music? You know what I'm saying. What was uh, the first thing that really, I guess, caught your eye, caught your attention? I guess about MF Doom's, you know, music style, whatever. Uh, you know, I think when I first heard MF Doom, I seen him, I think on Rap City, and that's when he was with KMD, and I wasn't really into him then because it was a lot of other groups out, Tribe Called Quest, uh. Jungle Brothers, Beat Nuts, and all of them that I was into. So I, I mean, I, I didn't really catch on to them like that. I didn't really, really, really see about him until he came out with that that uh, Doomsday. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time I heard Doomsday, it was an EP. It didn't have all the songs on it. Mm, okay. You know, it, somebody had it. I, matter of fact, I know it, my man, my homie Quentin, downloaded it. Mm-hmm. He had an MP3 player at the time, you know, and he downloaded it. So I don't know where he got it from. 
and we was bumping that, and uh, we was bumping Wu Tang too at the same time, hard. Mm. And uh, I liked the way he rapped. He sort of reminded me of Wu Tang because Wu Tang, I you know, I was attracted to them because my dad, I inherited the kung fu movies from my daddy. And they had that in their shit, you know what I'm saying? This movie samples, clips, yeah. you know what I'm saying? With MF Doom, he took all the old school cartoons that we used to see, and he put them in his songs, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And clips and things like that, and samples. So, uh, and I just like the fact that he he worked with a lot of people that I liked. You know, built a, you know, and built up a whole universe and narratives through his rhymes and Man. his projects. You know what I'm saying? He's one. He he reminds me of Devin the Dude. They always used to say that. They say this to Devin the Dude. Devin the Dude is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Mm -hmm. You don't know who. Most people don't know who the hell he is, but your favorite rapper like Devin the Dude. And MF Doom was to me like one of those people. Oh, for sure. Not a lot of people knew about him. They were starting to get to know about him. They didn't really, but most people didn't know about him. But your favorite rappers knew who he was because you, I started to see how he was appearing on everybody's album, mm -hmm. Ghostface album, mm -hmm. Nas's album. You know, he was appearing on people's shit. So you know, uh, I definitely, you know, had uh, love for his work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was my homie Jazz Mon. Shout out Jazz Mon. He's out in Atlanta right now. Uh, that put me on to uh, MF Doom's craft. You know what I'm saying? He just sat me down one day like, yo. You, like we was in the studio, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, we worked together in the studio, you know, uh, this had to be, I, I got on late, you know what I'm saying, as far yeah. as compared to you. Mm -hmm. I probably got on the MF Doom probably around like 2010, 20, gotcha. you know. And, uh, you know, just played me some of his videos, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I was taken aback, like, yo, this man is amazing, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And then later, uh, or around that time, I forgot exactly what year, uh, Mad Villainy is what really uh, hooked me first. That was a classic. Yeah, right it down. was Mad Villainy that, that hooked me. The joint he did with Mad Lib, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the narrative from front to back, and really the second half of that album. You know, I don't think, you know, there's there's no better, you know, uh, music and hip hop is just different at that point. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it was, you know, the whole album was like that, but particularly the second half of that joint. It's just like some of my favorite songs that he ever put out is on that, you know what I'm saying? Like Rhinestone Cowboy, Fancy yeah. Clown, Strange Ways, you know what I'm saying? So that album was a classic, right? Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. I mean, when you got Mad Lib on there, who just like a the, the premiere of our era, you know what I'm saying? You can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of made him come out. That made that made MF even shine even more, you know. Um because I think I think it was with Mad I think it was with Mad Villainy that he got his started to get his recognition. Yeah, yeah. The first album he the, he more got mainstream. The, yeah, yeah. He had the cult following from the first albums, but that second that that I mean not the second but that Mad Villainy was the one who sort of I think sort of crossed him over. I wonder if that was his first album with Stone's Throw. That's that uh, independent label. You know what I'm saying. That, uh, uh, that that album came out on. I, I wonder if that was his first one on Stone's Throw. Which I is, think that might have been. Yeah. Because um, his he, first album, Doomsday, wasn't on Stone's Throw. It was on the independent label, but it wasn't Stone's Throw. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. That might be the heat. That might be the... Yeah, because I, I know, like, for instance, like, Doomsday, those wasn't on uh, Stone's Throw. Like, yeah. that, that was on something else. Yeah. Because uh, those came earlier. But yeah, man. Yeah, Mad Villain. But then I went back and, and checked out Doomsday. Mm -hmm. Went back, checked out Mm Food and some of the other joints. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm and, Food. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's one of the best album covers. <laughs> oh, for sure, bro. That, that whole you know said one beer, deep fried yeah. ferns, all them joints. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, but particularly man, Doomsday. Also, like I think the first two songs, like uh, 
I think the first one's Doomsday, but then Rhymes like Dimes. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Them, <laughs> them joints right there, man. Like, that's as good as I it gets. I dropped Rhymes like Dimes. <laughs> They got my joint. They, he, I love that sample. I can't remember who he sampled in there, but it was a well-known sample. And then uh, he had that. He had a song on there, um, Doomsday, with the Sade sample. Mm-hmm. That I was just like, yeah, I, ain't, I, I was waiting for somebody to snatch that up, and he and he snatched that up. And and I don't think he get credit for his production too. Mm-hmm. And his his own production, his ear for production. Mm-hmm. And just you know, I'm saying, yeah, everything about his ear for music. You know, he was a genius with yeah. it. Yeah, cause I got, I got, I think I got a joint from him. I don't think it's uh, M Food. Yeah. I don't think it's M Food. He did a mixtape, Volume One, Volume Two, things like that. And he just had uh, special herbs. Yeah, 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 special herbs. I think. Yeah. And he had a just ton of instrumentals. He had his samples and instrumentals on there. You're like, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, definitely big shout out to Mad Lib, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely be missed. M- MF Doom. MF Doom, I'm sorry. Um, MF Doom, you definitely be missed. Hell nah, we don't need Madlib going either. That hurt. I love Madlib too, bro. I was over thinking about, uh, you know, some of Madlib shit with Quasimodo. Quasi, oh, and yeah. Quasi, I mean, of course, Quasimodo is the, uh, the alias. Mm-hmm. You rap alias and Madlib for those that don't know. Yeah. But when Quasimodo came on Mad, Mad Villainy, yeah, that shit was dope as hell. And that kind of put me on. Like, if you, uh, of course, check out all the MF Doom shit. But also, you know, while he's still here, like you said, Mad Lib, check out uh, the Unseen, Quasimodo, yeah. the Unseen. That is my shit. Yeah. That's my shit, bro. The and Unseen. You, and you turned me on to Quasimodo, like, because I thought Quasimodo, I had never seen, like, seen a video of them. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking Quasimodo is a whole nother group. He was like, nah, bro, that's Mad Lib. Like, that's him? Yeah. Over his own production, just yeah, man. he flowing with the altered voice and stuff. I'm like, okay, I can fuck with that. Oh, bro, yeah, I yeah. can mess with that. I like that. I always like, I like creativity. I don't like stupidity and buffoonery in hip hop, mm-hmm. but I love creativity and exactly. artistry. You know, and I and got that from both of them. There definitely is a certain obstacle to get over to get into Quasimodo. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it is like the voice is altered. Mm-hmm. But once you understand what he's doing, why he's doing it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of course, you get it once you listen to it. Yeah. It's just like that character creation, you know what I'm saying? World creation. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop artists approaching music, you know what I'm saying, in a way where they can play with perspective, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Open up second and third perspective in, in hip-hop music, not just the first person, I'm this, I'm that. Mm-hmm. But being a storyteller, being a griot with that shit, you know what I'm saying? MF Doom has lifted that part of the tradition to new places. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it definitely was a storyteller. And is it a, yeah, it's one of the biggest influences on my own music, I had to say. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Just because I feel like I'm I also on my own music am open to the, you know, second and third person trying to engage in storytelling from, you know, just from unique angles, you know what I'm saying? Not the traditional this happened and that happened and this happened. MF Doom was painting pictures, yeah. was painting, you know what I'm saying, uh, impressions mm-hmm. line by line, maybe several in a line, you know what I'm yeah. saying, uh, as far as where he would draw his influences from and where he could take his references, you know. And he would do it during the song because, you know, he may switch to two, three samples within the song, mm-hmm. change the beat up, mm-hmm. and he'll start going a whole nother way, you know. Uh, he was I, definitely a character. You know, and I, I would say one song real quick, Aki, that really exemplified this for me. And this was like the first song that hooked me, hooked me, hooked me mm-hmm. from Mad Villainy, Fancy Clown. I mentioned it before. Yeah. But that is a perfect song that exemplifies how MF Doom plays with perspective. Yeah. 
because the song is told from the perspective of Victor Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Which, which is somebody, uh, you know... From the... Uh, you you have to dig in exactly to who Victor Vaughn is as far as far as who MF Doom is spinning it, but it's not it is not the mad villain. It, Victor Vaughn is not the mad villain, but in Fancy Clown, you know, a, a Doom the artist is writing from the perspective yeah. of Victor Vaughn complaining to a woman about her relationship <laughs> to MF Doom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, but so. The way that he can take uh, a crazy perspective like that, but have a dope ass song, you know what I'm saying? Uh, of course, with the sample, with the lyrics, lyricism, and with the content, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he's doing like just just with that, he's doing shit in hip hop that you know you don't see often. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, he definitely was cut from the old school cloth. Yeah, you know, you running with Mad Lib, you cut from the old school cloth. Um, so you know, we you know we give honors to you know. MF Doom, uh, fellow MC, I mean, um, MC, producer, artist, you know, you will be remembered. You said, you said fellow MC, you about to hop on the mic now? Nah, 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 I ain't hopping on the mic. Look, that, I'm with the uh, 40 and slip. Go ahead and drop a 16 and then get off and retire. But, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, definitely, man, if you ain't checked out his stuff, go check out Mad Lib. I mean, Mad Lib. Ain't, go check out Mad Lib. Mad Lib's collaboration. I think that's probably the best one for me in this era. For a starting point? Yeah, for a starting point. Check out the Mad Lib, MF Doom, Mad Villainy. Yeah. And then um, go back to Doomsday and work your way to it. He got a joint with uh, MF uh, Nehru. Uh, yeah, Bishop Nero. Yeah, with Bishop Nero. Yeah, That's I, good. I haven't really did, dug into that, but what what I have heard has been pretty good. He got a couple of collaborators with a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so he got he got some cuts, bro. So definitely yeah, go worth check out all out. that stuff, man, and uh, get back to us. What you think? If you haven't already, you know what I'm saying. I know he's passed, you know, and and you know it just kind of adds to you know I guess somewhat of what MF Doom built up. Even if it was inadvertent, but uh, yeah. you know he passed away on Halloween. We didn't find out about it until New Year's Eve. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, just you know, big blessing to his fam. I think uh, you know his son also tragically maybe passed earlier this year. Mm. I think his son Malachi. You mm. know what I'm saying? Also, uh, you know, was uh, you know family was dealt with tragedy. So you know, just lift that family up. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna keep it moving. MF Doom, we love you, brother. That's definitely You know what I'm saying And uh, never be forgotten Can't be Never you know be forgotten That's one The man thing. with the mask mm. Yes sir So uh, with that We are gonna transition Let's talk about uh, Some of the year end wrap up Yeah You know what I'm saying yeah. So uh, I can't I can't remember exactly What month we started uh, The revamp of the Fire this time Last year But I do know That the first episode We came back with Was called Flashbang and it really highlights for me maybe uh, one of my favorite moments from 2020. You know what I'm saying? Just to start it on a positive note, I guess. <laughs> uh, and that's when, uh, you know, the brothers that was outside of uh, the CNN building in Atlanta, you mm-hmm. know, facing off with the police in the midst of the uh, George Floyd protest. Yeah. And they took it to the CNN building, you know, because they know what type of lies they be spreading over there. <laughs> there you go. Confronted with the police in there. The rake to the snake's head. You know, and uh, through the flashbang, stunned all the cops in there that was all, you know, huddled mm-hmm. up or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, just... Uh, it was an exciting scene. It, yeah, I ain't never seen... 
as far as in this era or something, I seen like that from that perspective. It was new, you know. Yeah. And everybody that's seen it, you know, say so you seen that reaction. Yeah. So uh, yeah, man, that that scene for me it was definitely uh, the, uh, one of the kickoff moments. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to uh, a season, we really had it. We we kind of yeah. forget. We kind of forget. Our key. There was a whole season of protest that reached higher participation numbers than what Black Lives Matter seen. Yeah. Uh, during its height, maybe five, six years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was going down this year. Maybe and not, Black Lives Matter wasn't around. Maybe Black Lives Matter during its height, you know what I'm saying, uh, five, six years ago. Had mm. a, a, a longer sustained protest period. Yeah. But what happened this year, even in the midst of a pandemic, was fierce. And they, and they had to deal with these, this, the current events that's going on right now. You know, these current events going on right now finna chew them up even more. So, you know, we made, we was lucky to make it out of 20, 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that definitely was one of the things that woke me up this year because I hadn't seen, not woke me up, I was already woke, but definitely made me see what it was when I seen them go to the building mm-hmm. and do that. You know, that that let me know, like, okay, we ready, we, we you know what I'm saying, we saying fuck it, you know. This is what we want to do. Of course, they appeased us in about a week. So, you know, and another big story and uh, tragedy from mm-hmm. last year was, uh, you know, the murder of Breonna Taylor. Oh yeah, and that's something that we covered a lot on our podcast. You know, over you know many episodes last year, the developments in that case. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the pursuit and the struggle for justice, which uh, we know was never reached, and you know, really couldn't have been reached, uh, you know, with the loss of yeah. her life that in the way that it happened. Because them grand, them, ba- them babies are still there. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Exactly. But you know, put you know, I, I guess putting that tragedy aside because I feel like we we have covered and and you know. I guess venerated her her life and and, and the struggle around her life mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah, it did introduce for us um, a lens into I think uh, gender yeah. and race. Yeah, within this society and within you know our struggle in, in this current moment. Brought out a lot of dirty shit. A lot of uh, brought out it brought out good things. But it also brought out some things that, you know, we could have did without. What you mean, Akeem? I mean, like, you know, conversations and things like that that was being had. I think we could have, we we, we were doing the work, we could have focused more on the actual, you know, the justice and the justice claim. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, you know, people get distracted. Yeah, I definitely think that. I mean, I think what you're referring to is like a lot of people using Breonna Taylor's murder, you know what I'm saying, to have a more surface level engagement in the struggle. Yeah. For their own gain, you know what I'm saying, more so than a real engagement and investment into revolutionary struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, definitely that. Um, You know, I, I think that. Uh, you know, we covered a lot of um, I forget the organization's name, Tamika Mallory's group, um, uh, that that was operating in Louisville. I, I slipped my mind too, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, well, that organization, we we did cover their work in Louisville, and um, you know, I, I think you know, time will tell. I think with some of it, 
uh, as far as uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we do know the only thing that really came from that struggle was a settlement and some. Oh man, see now it's bringing back memories. Ike, I'm about to get pissed again. Yeah, because now I'm thinking about you know part of that financial settlement was this symbolic as reforms for the police. Yeah, like uh, you had to spend like what two hours a month <laughs> in community service, volunteering shit. for yeah. Community that's when service. they gave community service and shit. Oh, so you you, you pay community? Yeah, paid. Yeah. Paid. No tax dollars. And that was nothing about accountability, you know. Nothing like that. I mean, yeah. But uh, you know, put, let's put that aside because we had we we you know we 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 touched on that. But um, yeah, I, you know, just the you know, Breonna Taylor. That's that's uh, something we haven't even had a chance to truly truly reckon and heal from. You know, all of that. But mm. at the same on the same token, Aki, it also opens up a conversation, and we see some reactionary uh black feminists especially behave this way yeah where they have this uh you know they they engage in competitive victimhood politics with yeah. Breonna Taylor's name and legacy to have some surface level statement uh or assertion about black women as victims of police mm-hmm. uh murder and and uh you know and not not having the same stage or uh, as black yeah. men not having the same I guess um, uh, prestige in the movement as yeah. victims, as black yeah. men, uh, when it comes to police murder, and of course these things ignore the um, the fact that you know if we were because we we did follow these statistics throughout the year, yeah, looking at the numbers of black men and women killed by the police, yeah. Well, last year 2020 ended with 222 black men killed by the police mm. and one black woman, that being Breonna Taylor, mm. and um, you know. So that, again, that you know, I think later this year we'll probably take up what it means to have a, a steeper and steeper ratio mm-hmm. of black men to women killed. Like, does this mean Aki that you know, say her name and the representational politics around say her name mm-hmm. actually has had some progress? Nah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you have years and years of dozen of dozens at least a dozen black women, around a dozen black women getting killed by the police. Yeah. And then since say her name, it has went to five, to less than five, to now in 2020 only mm. one. Mm. I mean, maybe that's not a significant enough trend to say anything. I, and I, it, it might not be, um, but definitely the advertisement of it or whatever it may be is always going to be geared towards, the, like you always going to have to fight with that. We, I mean, I think that if we really want to get to the heart of, you know, the gendered ways that we're oppressed by mm-hmm. white supremacy, you know, we got to ask some of these questions, you know. Oh, yeah. As oh, far yeah. as, you know, what what works in the movement and what what doesn't work. And, yeah. you know, what what is not protecting, you know, black men specifically, uniquely from this type of murder, you know what I'm saying, related to the anti-black misandric. Uh, I guess foundations of this country, you know, yeah. and those are quite a lot of the questions we asked in 2020 and investigated, and uh, you know we'll continue. But uh, you know, I think uh, you know it's good to I guess touch base and just kind of reflect. Any other, yeah, I guess words on uh, Breonna Taylor or any of the the gender stuff we talked about last year? Uh, nah, not on that, you know. Um. Now there's the other part of 2020 that you wanted to talk about, just the, everything with the election. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the election, you know, uh, we definitely got to talk about that because we're just not coming into it. So, um, yeah, the, may, yeah the, maybe this convo can bring us all the way to the, you know, yeah, the, the, the hick hoedown. Uh, no, nah, yeah. that's not the name of it. We're gonna, we still working on the name. Hold on with us. Crackers Insurrection. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the election 2020, bro. I mean, what are some moments that stick out? What was the general vibe for you from it? Major lessons? I mean, what, what you thinking over there? I mean, you know, just in um, reflection. This year right here, just with all with everything going on, COVID, it really exposed a lot of people. You know, um, it exposed uh, how weak society is right now in a state of stability. Um, it exposed, you know, how the living in a, what they call a first world country can be an illusion and also be a, um, a trick to sell you something. Um, but we got Trump out. We got Joe Biden now, Kamala Harris. You know, the person you practice Kwanzaa with every year as a family tradition. What up, what up, Mala? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and wow, you know, we, we it's a good thing we only got one term in the man. You know, but I think he gonna go down, he gonna go out fighting. Real talk. He gonna go out fighting. And he said it already, because I think, you know, when he get out of office, there's going to be some shit waiting for him. I mean, yeah, just, just on the top, the top of the election, Ike, yeah, a, a lot of shit was exposed within the movement, even, within our movement. Yeah. And I think you've seen a lot of uh, reactionary politics come forward, you know what I'm saying, as the election drew nearer last year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You saw Black Lives Matter do they uh, political conferences, huh. and, you know, and, uh, you know, try to lead the way, I guess. So I guess varying degrees of success. I don't, I really don't know that, how to assert that. Um, but I mean, we definitely know that Kamala didn't bring out the black support that they thought she was going to. That they thought she was going to. We and we covered that in some of the intricacies. And really, we saw Latino support in Latino-dominated areas increase for Trump. Yeah. And I think that shows maybe the whitening of that community in the you know this U.S. political context. Um. Well, uh, at least that's a conversation that you know uh, is being had, right? Yeah, they, you know, um, that's that's that was one of them. That was one. That was something that was very, you know, um, pronounced in this in this new year, um, in this year coming. You know, twenty twenty was, you know, it was filled with turmoil, anger, fear, and all of the types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, black people got to make some real decisions. Because the way things is looking, you know what I'm saying, you know, um, when we getting shot in the street, I don't know why everybody keep on getting this lawyer, Crump, whatever his name is. He don't win nothing. Um, but to let it alone for that, we still dealing with the, the outside external forces and the internal that, you know, uh, that may that may plague us up, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I mean, this election was wild. I mean, shoot, you remember seeing booties to the pole? So, right, that's what I was over here thinking about. Ike. like, how much do I tip? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> my 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 vote recruiter. Yeah, bro, that booty to the pole and just everything around the blackmail vote. All the oh, narratives man. around the blackmail vote. We yeah, covered the, a lot of yeah. them last year. Of course, booty to the polls was one of the most egregious. And it really highlighted, uh, you know, a lot of their base 
relationship, talking about liberal, you know, yeah. liberal U.S. society, the yeah. base relationship that they have with black men mm-hmm. is we're hypersexual. Yeah. That's how you interact with us. You Even when we tell you no. Like, when we tell you no, that's not what I'm... You know, in, in, into you know, I'm a conserv, I'm I'm a more a little more conservative side. You know, give me some kale and I'm cool. But uh, yeah, you know, it was like we was getting set up for the blame just in case. You know, Trump wins. That's how it felt like. You know, black men were getting attacked everywhere, even though we vote number two. Instead of speaking to our political interests. Exactly. They try to engage the tropes that the only way that they know us by, you know. And then that engagement is something reflected within, you know, many black political formations, organizations, entities. Mm-hmm. You know, so, of course, that's why we see something like a booty to the polls or we see the, uh, you know, converse, the, the barbershop kickbacks yeah. initiatives versus the black feminist seat at the table initiatives. Yeah. From the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So I mean, you see it out. You see, you see the out group in group type of division that yeah, this bumping heads, right? You know now. what I'm saying that 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 they put on us, and we covered a lot of that in 2020, and we're gonna keep on it. You know what I'm saying because truly, truly, in this society, you know, mm-hmm. our community is not yet awoken enough yeah. to the saliency of the gender division. You know. Within yeah. our struggle and how it, it creates obstacles, you know what I'm saying? How yeah. it creates obstacles between us, uh, between black men and black women, and even uh, the black obstacles uh, that community. sometimes weren't even there. Right. Sometimes right. I mean, they were, though, but a lot of times the obstacles weren't even there. I mean, look, white feminists affected and have always sought to affect the black feminine mm-hmm. relationship with black masculinity. Yeah. Right? Because that's how you show allegiance to white supremacy, to white patriarchy, you know? And we have to start, stop looking at white women mm-hmm. as victims. No, they are Humans. truly, truly the, you know, amongst the, the top benefactors of white patriarchy, if not the most protected. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? White I patriarch mean, out there. I mean, uh, the patriarchy uh, protects women period um, from criticisms you know being able to take like you said take constructive criticism from somebody and take it from a man and this is what we expose about black feminists in 2020 how reactionary black feminists to be specific because there are revolutionary black feminists out there Mm -hmm. Uh, just not many that have read revolutionary black feminist texts there you go and I mean Uh, I hate to say a lot of them run away from that shit right Right, when they in college, they run away from that. I don't want no parts of. It. Or, or they're just not introduced to it because they're being taught by a certain sector of the intellectual community, the petty bourgeois, upwardly mobile black mm, people who yeah. se- who sell their allegiance to the black community the and to black men for the for for the money for the moolah. And I and I think that because you know, because because white institutions require that of those that are going to be upwardly mobile. Yeah, and you know we expose the anti-black misandric out-group type of oppression that white patriarchy puts on black men. We we talked about that throughout 2020 and talked about Tommy Curry's work, talked about social dominance theory. We talked about, you know, third world masculinity yeah. and how, you know, this Western feminist, you know, uh, view of masculinity, you know what I'm saying, is, uh, is a colonial view, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, 2020, we definitely sketched out, you know, 
the uh, skeleton of a uh, you know anti-colonial gender theory versus <laughs> colonial gender theory. It's a big statement for them to hear. Hmm. You know, um, go back, run the tape, nigga. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, one thing I just thought about, you know, uh, that happened this year that I did like is um, the comedian Monique. Hmm. Okay. You know, okay. She went through the battle with uh, Netflix and uh, and also Oprah and Tyler Perry, the gatekeepers. You know, and uh, I want to give that sister a shout out. You know, she showed her intelligence and things of that such nature. That was definitely a beautiful thing to see. You know, for myself this uh, this this short year, because the older I get, it seems like this shit's getting shorter. Um. But um, definitely, you know, you know, we got we got we got Trump out, we got Biden in, and men just got thrown under the boat, uh, uh, disrespected, and everything else during that time period. And, you know, we came out there still wanting to love black women, so you know. Just to underline our position, too, for anybody listening, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're against the bourgeois reactionary black feminism, mm-hmm. you know, and how it seeks or or really seeks uh, solidarity or allegiance to uh, mm-hmm. this colonial gender theory framework, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, this, and also, I don't see many, I don't see the majority of black women aligning themselves with uh, this this colonial gender theory that we see more prevalent in the academy or in the media, right, or within the mm. within uh, the political sphere, uh, working class black women are not that aligned with it. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Be- and, and that's that's one reason why working class black women, uh, I think maybe increasingly they are identifying as black feminists, but yeah. I, I don't know if it's the majority yet. And I know working class black women, you know. Uh, complicate, uh, I guess, mainstream black feminism in oh, many yeah. ways, and and I say that as somebody who's coming from the black community, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what you thought you knew, or what you thought, you know? Yeah, it can definitely be that way. I and and then all, but but also having uh, a close proximity to academia as a PhD mm-hmm. student and sitting in classrooms and gender and women studies students and, and professors, you know what I'm saying? And uh, hearing their arguments and, and reading the work that supports their arguments, yeah, you know, you you begin to understand how uh, anti-black misandry is uh, all up in there. Huh? Oh yeah, how it's woven in there philosophically, you know, and you know, so you know, a lot to cover there and a lot more to cover, you know, uh, even from what we talked about in 2020. So 2021, we hope to get to it even harder, you know, keep on bringing that fire always. Um. Of course, we got, I mean, just to bring it all the way forward, we got uh, the Kwanzaa Capper. Hmm. The Kwanzaa Capper. Kamala. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Talking about, uh, I don't even, we didn't get to talk about this last episode. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, she talking about it's a long-held family tradition. Of course, I was playing. I ain't fucking around with Kamala, her family. Maybe her daddy, if he's you really called Marcia. it straight out, Aki. You, as, soon as, you, as soon as you said that, you called it straight out, but keep on going, Aki. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're going to have a photo. If this is a, a, a practice tradition in your family, y'all just y'all just practice Kwanzaa, where are the photos at? 
Why didn't you bring this up before? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what I'm saying? Why, 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 hey, why? hey, seen you in Nandashiki, no damn well. <laughs> exactly. Where, where are the photos from this? You know what I'm saying? Because oh, you, you, you have a photo, and you would have, you would have shared this before. Man, you know what I'm saying? It's like it, you would have shared this before that spe- that very pivotal Georgia election. Yeah, far before. You know what I'm saying? If this was true, and then do you see that she stole that story? That Dr. King shared about uh, saying freedom at a civil rights march. Mm. Look that up. I ain't gonna get into it. See, I mean, it, <sighs> she she over there acting like Biden fabricating stories, bro. It ain't nothing even wrong with a quoting the shit as long as you get credit. Where's do? I mean, and make just, use of it. Just think about that. She's campaigning mm. for the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, mm. right? That's Warnock, right? Yeah, that's that's who they was campaigning for to be get, to be the senator from Georgia, you know what I'm saying? So of course that church was the former uh, pastor of it was who Dr. King. So then Kamala come out of nowhere, the story she never shared before that yeah. that mirror that mirrors <laughs> a story that King shared. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it comes right before the Georgia election. She would have mentioned this on the campaign trail if she really had this story about being at a civil rights march and, and saying freedom, just like in the same way Dr. King described a little girl doing at a civil rights march. I, I think that she is trying to put herself in a position, in a place. Of course, we know they were trying to put her there to win black folks. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't really catching. Because I think black people inherently seen something about her that wasn't there. And you had other gatekeepers trying to protect her. Trying to, you know, well, she's a successful black woman and blah, and, and, and not, nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. And she is, you know. She's definitely a beautiful uh, woman. But um, that doesn't, that doesn't, she, she doesn't escape, you know, that doesn't, her being beauty doesn't trump the, 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 the reality of the situation in totality. I think they use sometimes people to distract us from the real deal. And so, like, right now, even in America, right now, even in America, where, uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot of shit, we'll get into a little bit of that later. This election brought out a lot of demons on people. It brought out a lot of... And when I say demons, it brought out the real self of a lot of people, the fear and the panic. You know, fear and panic that black people knew for a long damn time. We wasn't unclear about the shit. But other people's were... And um, it is uh, it is definitely sometimes amazing and shocked when you see the system get fucked up. Hmm. You know, I get a little joy in my heart. I, I might even shed a little tear in the inside. Well, you, you see these crackers panicking? Yeah, man, because, uh, you know, they walk around here sometimes so... Sm- and it's not even... I'm not even going to blame it on them. It might not even be their fault. You know, but they walk around here and it's seems so, so nonchalant. But I say, you would probably feel nonchalant with that shit if you ruling something. Bruh, when I see in the statistics that one in seven white people mm. come from a millionaire family, that much wealth, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you know, I, hey. Two different worlds. <laughs> Two different worlds, literally. Uh, so, so yeah, we're gonna. Uh, why don't we wrap it up there? As far as the uh, year-end wrap-up. All right. And then let's actually bring this forward. Now we're gonna take a little break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, Trump, the Trump party. You know what I'm saying? They had to kick back, you know, at the White House. Yeah. Got lit, you know. House party. You know, you know, Lincoln Hennessy was around.
No. So we're going to get into all that and also uh, uh, talk about Gerald Horn's recent interview on the subject oh. and bring in some of his analysis and how he connected the actions of these Trump, I guess, protesters, insurrectionists, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah, we to, still got to figure it out. To international politics, you yeah. know, including the European Union, China, and, and, and uh, elsewhere. So we're, we're going to connect all the dots for you. But do you uh, really think, I, I mean, just real talk, do you really think well, you know what? I know that, so I can't even ask that. I'm about to say, do you really think uh, uh, an effective, you know, campaign against the system? Well, I think, yeah, an effective campaign against, you know, the government over these policies, it could work. When you start talking about, though, like, and we're talking the latter part, we were talking about at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, we, we also have to remember that we in the year COVID. Mm-hmm. Some new shit we ain't never been amazing. I think that exaggerated a lot of the things that was going on with Trump and them too. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the election and Trump's presidency because you know, first you was talking about cutting the check, then you didn't want to cut the check. Now you talking about you wanted to cut the check, and then they cut the check. The check was slow, and you complained, but then you gave another proposal, and the check was high. So it's like I don't even think he want. He knows what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's of you know the black community to sit down with as a community and have these conversations. You know, um, we can't. With this, with this story, sort of tells me is that you can't trust. And I'm not talking about the individuals, but we know working in these jobs, factory jobs, everyday working, we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have to look at them for entertainment, but that's not us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not us. I'm gonna check him tonight. And then you proceed to go out there and do what you do and do your job. You might get dusted, you might not, but he ain't going to be easy. Mm. And that's sort of how we got to think. I think you probably even thought like that when you was powerlifting, that you couldn't be beat. Mm. You know, when you was boxing, uh, other people's, you know, shooting ball, things of that such nature. This system's going to be something, man. This shit is going to be some other shit. This year's going to be some other shit right here. Man, and January 6th definitely exposed a lot of shit. And, you know, people want to downplay how critical or what it exemplified or what's coming. But, uh, no, nah, that'll be a mistake. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it yeah, when we yeah, come I'm back. Yeah, I about to say, that's a big right. one right there. All right, peace, y'all. Free to land. Yes, sir, and we are back at it. Back up in here again. Once again, my name is Sonny Ture. I'm Akita J. And you are listening to episode 22. Fire this time. And uh, we are back now to talk a little bit about the uh, protest slash insurrection slash litiation mm-hmm. slash uh, really uh, attempted coup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, depending on who, who you ask, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, a paper, I seen a headline in an uh, Indian newspaper. It, said, it called it a, a, a coup cut. A Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see that. I see, see yeah. that. We, we can go with that. Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, Ku Klux Klan uh, rally. A Ku Klux Klan to talk. Mm, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, people, you know, we actually had a, you know, a storming of the Capitol build. Yep, yep. And before we get into it, just a reminder, if you're still listening, uh, make sure you sharing on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you sharing it with your people. Maybe drop it in the inbox. Keep on spreading this fire. We're trying to come strong in 2021 and that we need that support. So, yes, attempted insurrection. So, 
Yeah, man. Uh, ain't never seen nothing like that. Not in my life. Nah, that's a new one. You know, and uh, the fact that it was not not saying it was surprising the fact it could happen like that, but ain't never seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, protest is a protest, but then when they went up in there and these fools up in there taking pictures and shit and posting stuff, they got outfits on, they got real out there, you know. And it's like, you spend so much, they spent, the system spent so much time policing us. You know, you can't even police your own. Right. You know? Right. So one thing that really interested me, and, uh, we was looking at a uh, Gerald Horn interview, and I- I'll get the website in a second. But Gerald Horn, if y'all don't know, he's a black historian, very prolific, wrote books such as The Counter-Revolution mm-hmm. of 1776. Uh, and he's also, I know his new book he's got coming out with is called, uh, I think, The Bittersweet Science or something like that. But anyways, mm-hmm. it's, it's a book about boxing, the political economy of boxing and race. Oh. Yeah, uh, so definitely. I sound like that definitely be something good. Yes, definitely check that out if you get the chance. So uh, anyway, Gerald Horn was talking about um, what went down in D.C. at the Capitol building Mm -hmm. and uh, made a lot of uh, great points. So uh, the publication this was at is uh, theanalysis.news. Mm-hmm. The analysis.news. So it's called Racism and a Failed Coup by Gerald Horn. It's an interview with Gerald Horn carried out by somebody named Paul J. Mm. And there's a, a video of the interview as well that you can check out. Uh, but yeah, from here, you know, we glean some interesting facts, you know. Yeah. And one thing that uh, you know, kind of struck me in the days afterwards as news is coming out, as I'm yeah. really considering and reflecting on what we saw. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the collaboration between elements of the government and the Trump supporters that went into the Capitol building in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Congress people letting them in to doors. It seemed too in- easy. Instructing officers that these are guests and to let them through. Mm-hmm. Because you saw officers opening the gates and letting them through. You know, of course, they were overwhelmed. But often, other times, you saw them let people through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I saw a crazy video of an officer just real quick getting crushed in the doorway. At You know what I'm saying? And I think that might be the officer that died. People mm. suspected it's the officer that died. And he was screaming like his chest was getting crushed. It looked like he was in very much pain. You know, he was between officers yeah. and the Trump supporter trying to enter a door. And uh, some, somehow he got pinned. <laughs> got crushed. And, and also, uh, there's suspected that uh, a woman was trampled. And like, there's four mm-hmm. or five people that five people that died total. Yeah. And uh, they're thinking that some of it happened in this kind of trampling situation, which is not being discussed at all. But anyways, Gerald Horn, uh, some of the interesting points he makes is, okay, th- t- thinking about this collaboration between elements of the government yeah. and those protesters that were in some sense, some sense is allowed, definitely empowered to go in there. Yeah. He points out that on January 4th of uh, this year, 2021, two days before everything went down, we see the situation. Uh, we saw an article come out. Let me check the uh, publication. It's in the transcript I'm scrolling through. So, yeah, January 4th in the Washington Post. We see an op-ed from, uh, let's see, Dick Cheney and uh, all other su- surviving former Pentagon chiefs led by Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld. And they warned, mm. 
somehow warning, quote, the U.S. military not to get involved in domestic politics. Mm. So you see a conservative-leaning military sector of the government, yeah. you know what I'm saying, with power, with, you know, pull, and these industries. Calling shots. Calling shots somewhat. You know what I'm saying? In the Washington Post, and I always bring this up, Jeff Bezos, now richest man of the world, owns the Washington Post. Yep. And we know, um, yeah, we can stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some of that. Um, so, yeah, January 4th, you see this article come out. Now, the, now the next day, Gerald Horn points this out. In the Financial Times of London, there's an editorial asking, what do Cheney and Rumsfeld know that the rest of us do not know? And they talk about the strange timing of such uh, an article, right, mm. and such a, a assertion. Yeah, and it seemed to preempt uh, what was to come. Like, like, uh, like, like it was a. I don't want to say a pre-warning, but a. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. I mean, considering we we see people going up in there with zip ties and all the, all, all that, they was planning on doing IEDs, all that. Somebody was planning on doing something. I mean, and. It def- if the storming of the White House could have very much been ta- a, a tactic to keep them distracted while they was doing something else. Do you see the brother that was the security officer, Capitol Police maybe, that was uh, being followed, pursued by a large group of mm. white mobsters? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Do you see this video? Mm, I see that one. He was backpedaling. You know, they even put cartoon music to it. But news came out today, I guess he was interviewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could see him leading the group. Um, I mean, not leading the group. It was clear he was in fear and trying to stop the group. But it was clearly, it was just him and over a dozen, it appeared. Yeah. White mobs or some of them armed, right? Mm-hmm. And they was coming up the stairs. And now the news is saying that he went a particular way down the hallway when he got up the stairs to intentionally lead them away from the open doors of the Senate floor chamber or where senators were at the time. Mm-hmm. So now they're trying to really, uh, I guess, uh, highlight the uh, courageous actions of this black man. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The senators at that time were probably already yeah. evacuated. So I'm sure that they're overblown the story just to make black people feel like they're part of this fight even more. You know, they're going to tug on whatever heartstrings they can. Yeah, um, they definitely will. They definitely will. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, anything you want to add real quick, Aki, before I get into more of this article? No, I finally finished the article. Okay. So, so I was other, listening myself. So other important points that Gerald Horn makes here is connecting this cons- conservative uh, panic around control of the government to international politics, right? Mm-hmm. And he does so by pointing out some of what's happening within Europe, the European Union, yeah. Brexit, and... Uh, some of their uh, shifting alliances to China, which is, of course, for uh, China's the future. And <laughs> other conservatives is a major uh, enemy, the United States. Also, yeah. the Democrats, you know, in, 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 in the same way. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the emphasis might be different as far as uh, American isolationism and uh, a confrontation with China. The mm-hmm. emphasis might be different. I, I'm not an expert there, but... Ultimately, you know, both sides are war hawks and U.S. imperialists and oppose uh, any type of confrontation to U.S. hegemony uh, yeah. over the world economy. Yeah. And, of course, uh, uh, China, a strong China for both sides uh, complicates that. So in, in some ways, you know, uh, and, mm. and of course, Horn points this out early in the article, what we saw there was the frustrations of a non-elite white supremacist, white nationalist, conservative uh, group. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
and the frustrations bubble over in a way that they did. And I think he's also suggesting, as we kind of talked about now, how this bubbling over of frustration of the non-elite, yeah, uh, you know, was something that was controlled in some ways, man- expected, maybe manipulated and used, utilized by maybe certain cells or certain form conservative or white supremacist formations within the mm-hmm. government or uh, elsewhere yeah. to influence whatever, you know what I'm saying, through theft, sabotage, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll find out as, you know, th- this thing goes. I mean, you know, it's like uh, COINTERPRO. We didn't find out about COINTERPRO until the 70s, even though we felt it going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always a bigger picture to things. Um, you know... Uh, I'm not going to say I hope they got away, but I hope they planned well to be able to get away in that situation. Um, You know, the perceptions that, the perceptions that black people made for themselves this year, we got to fight a whole nother year to get away from. Mm -hmm. You know, I, for me real quick, just to stay on the point of China international politics before we get away from that. Now I'm gonna get I'm gonna get right on that. That's where I'm going. Okay, but, go ahead, go ahead. You know, um, we're gonna have to get it together because America's coming to a point where it's not gonna be the top dog anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I, I I firmly believe there's no guarantee that the Chinese man is gonna treat you any better in the state that you are than what the white man is. But I think we have time, and I think black people have time to be able to really work their shit out. I mean, you know, that conflict is going to bring hard times, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we've already went through shortages of being able to get uh, product manufactured, you know, and things of that such nature. We depend totally too wholly on them. I would tell anybody, if you're going to learn a foreign language, you might want to learn Chinese because you might be going over there back and forth. You know, the question for black people is what are we going to do in that situation? How are we going to survive? We got to start making those concrete decisions now to how we want to live and what type of communities we want to form under a a regime, which more than likely is going to be an American government regime that eventually still going to have to be torn down. Yeah, I think for me, the situation, you know, it, it highlights the fact that there's millions of Americans and, you know, thousands of armed mm-hmm. protesters potentially, as we saw, that are, their buttons, their buttons are, they they have American patriotic buttons that are pressed, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? When, Pat- chi- when, when China Go. comes up or when... Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, th- that's how they've been programmed or socialized to react to certain stimuli. Mm-hmm. And I think the stimuli, as far as, you know, thinking about U.S. first, U.S. hegemony on the world stage, mm-hmm. again, supported by both sides, but, you know, there's differences there that yeah. we can get into later or another episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we have an international situation, and Jared Horn talks about some of this, where the European Union with Brexit, Britain yeah. leaving the European Union, you have a European Union that is now more mm. so led by countries like a France and a Germany. Yeah. Right? And they're not as beholden to mm. the, the interests of the U.S. I know. You know what I'm saying? And when you think about in Germany, for instance, the current chancellor, the woman, uh, I think her name is Angela Merkel. I think that's her name. 
Mm. Uh, she's about to leave office, and the expectation is any the government that comes after hers is going to be much more uh, willing to uh, partner mm. with China. Yeah. The European Union just this uh, past week, when the incident on January 6th occurred, uh, passed a uh, investment deal with China, and this you know is a is signaling the uh, you know the lessening grip of U.S. and British interests. Uh, within the European Union and uh, on the world economic stage. You mm-hmm. know, so you're right. This uh, American's posi- position at the top is being challenged. And, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's good to keep these things in mind because we, of course, can see how certain, uh, in certain ways, these levers are affecting what we see in our news Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But maybe not really connected all the, all the time. Like, you know, Horn connected it in that interview that, you know, hopefully everybody can check out. So, yeah. Um, well. so, so, you know, I guess enough on the international level, you know what I'm saying? I think, you know, I, I was talking to our, our OG Tony, mm-hmm. you know, about it. And one thing that, you know, just considering, I think, as black men, what we saw with, uh, you know, the insurrection, fail coup, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just the high, the high contradictions of treatment by police officers. You know what I'm saying? When when you consider the uh, you know difference of police treatment between you know us and them. I mean, capital punishment has always been racist in, in the harshness of it. Um, we all know if that would have been niggas who stormed that Capitol building, we would have been dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. It's like, it's no surprise to me, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if I seen us do that and that happened, you know. Um, I think we just got to really, you know, men got to be, we got to be a little more vigilant. And I think we got to start having more conversations about this. Mm-hmm. Because the real talk, just the worse America gets, the more it becomes a straight up, outright police state you will be the target. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, Aki. The number one. They're going to come for you. And You're so, right. So, um, And, you know, there's a whole debate. Uh, maybe we picked this up on another time because I, I think it would be too much for this episode. But uh, I know you heard about Trump getting kicked off of Twitter and all that. Uh, permanently banned from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Shopify. Like, seriously. You're the president of the country and you're getting banned. Permanently banned. What the hell he say? No, it's because of what he, how he, they, he encouraged the January 6th shit. Okay, then. You know what I'm saying? That violence that people died in, you know what I'm saying? And the people, you know, now they're finally drawing a clear connection between his words and the violence. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I guess in the last two weeks of his of his presidency. But, um, you know, they're, they're like, Carrie Hilson, the singer, right? Mm-hmm. She made a post that, you know, said, um, you know, Okay, y'all can feel how you want about Trump, and I don't think she's a Trump supporter. Yeah. But she did point out the fact that we should not support him getting kicked off of this social media. Yeah. Uh, because it's just going to mean they're going to come for us next. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're now, you know, if, you know, they, if the president, the, the argument is if the president can get kicked off of these social media sites and have those privileges, I guess, revoked, then uh, now it opens the door for anybody. You know, if they have, uh, I guess, a different political opinion than the mainstream. Uh, 
What do you think about that? I mean, um, I mean, because I mean, there's even a lot of black radicals that you know go against that and say that you know they're you know these private companies are right for kicking Trump off. Um, the private companies are thinking in terms of their pockets. Right. They don't need nothing attached to them, like Trump, even though he was the president. Mm-hmm. You know, because one thing about that type of uh, money and that type of class, um, that money's loosely inherited, and newbies don't get in there too often. And Trump has already spoken on how he wanted to be in those high value or high circles of wealth and things of that such nature. Now, he did get a sizable amount of work. And well, doing what he do, but you're not sitting in the room with Jeff Bezos, <laughs> right? You know, you're not sitting in the room with him. What you gonna talk to him about? You know, yeah. and I don't even think the community that Jeff Bezos lives in allows for entertainers or rappers to speak for him politically. Mm-hmm. True, true. And I think you know this whole situation for me, it, it do highlight the urgency of the moment. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that, of course. You know, this is a colonial situation we in, and we, you know, when it push comes to sub, we gotta protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying we see clearly, more clearly than you know, maybe we've seen in a while, on you know this stage of uh, the differential treatment, and you know they're they're willing to brutalize us and kill us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and they're unapologetic about it. They're not gonna change it. You know what I'm saying. Um, so, you know, it's a sobering moment. Hmm. It's a sobering moment. It should it should be for more and more of us, and uh, you know maybe allow us to do the work we need to do more. And let you know that it's here. Yeah, that you need to be ready. Yep. Let you know twenty twenty one ain't kind of play with you niggas, man. At all. You know what I'm saying? They storming the shit. They storming the state house. I mean, a capital building now. And they was doing state houses in twenty twenty. Yeah, ain't no telling what you're gonna get now coming up. Yeah, they might bring. Yeah, they might bring them them straps with them. Well, yeah, for real. All, all of the little, uh, all of the little, you know, um, younger guys who catch your channel, you know, they come back on here when they get older. Mm-hmm. I was eighteen the first time I listened to it, but I, you know, I'm like, okay, then. you know, and that's sort of what, that's sort of the type of work y'all guys do, and other of uh, and 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 things that we gotta we gotta try to get better with this year, mm-hmm. you know. Working with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spreading this knowledge and you know doing for self. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get better at working with each other, forming networks and things of that such nature. Because even in a even in a, uh, a I, I like to call it economically apocalyptic America, mm-hmm. we still have to be able to formulate and form societies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know I think that's a good place to stop for this episode. You know what I'm saying? Uh, happy to be here with y'all in 2021. True indeed. Hope to make it to 2022 with y'all. It's gonna be a, a wild ride, you know. But we happy that uh, you made it through this episode with us. And uh, yeah, much love to y'all. <laughs> Anything I keep in closing. Stay safe. We back. 2021, episode 22. We'll be at 23 coming soon. Look out for it. I think it's that. I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Free to land, y'all. Free to land.